Yeah, I mean, it's really too bad. There's not anything to talk about this week. Um, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Just dry. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I definitely didn't have to lower the font size to fit all <laughs> of this on one page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Both of you are recording. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. I mean, I feel like disintegration is is Brett's baby, so I think he should start off. It's my baby. Yep, it's yours. I conceived of it, carried it for nine months, <laughs> nurtured it. That torch has been going longer than nine months. That's a very good point. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was it. You know, um, it was a fun way to start off my week. Um, getting to see a game that I've kind of been following stealthily for the past three years finally get released. Um, or was the game following you? Because oh. technically we never saw it. So were you the hunter <laughs> or the prey? Uh, a magician never reveals his secrets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just figured I'd throw some other random thing in there. <laughs> so, so disintegration came out, which we talked about on our pilot episode, right? About the beta. Yeah, yeah, um, we did. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot more to to enjoy there. Uh, so yeah. So the the uh, the studio who put this out, V1 Interactive, uh, little team of about thirty developers up in uh, Redmond, Washington. Um, you know, one of the things I think is really impressive before we even start talking about the game itself is the fact that they basically did the last three months of this of development working from home. Yeah. Um, something that I know that, uh, you know, just looking at their social media accounts, um, they said was both the hardest thing they've ever done and maybe one of the most you know, rewarding in terms of like, we did it. <laughs> yeah. Six, we, we succeeded. Yeah. Um, it's a, spe- it's especially impressive for such a small company. Cause you know, these, these big companies already have giant it departments that can get stuff like that up and going for the whole company and mm-hmm. 30 people. That means they probably only had, they were probably all doing stuff to get, work from home working and not relying on an IT department. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, I think in the credits I saw one, one or two people maybe kind of credited with IT. Obviously they, they have their publisher uh, private division, I think probably chipped in there to make sure that they could still work from home. But yet you're right. Like it, they don't have the, 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 the person power to just, you know, drop development figure out how to work from home in the course of, you know, two weeks and, and, and get it, get it done. They have to continually be working on the game while figuring out how to transition to this new development uh, style. Yeah. So I thought it was really, really pretty cool. Um, and then obviously we got to 
finally play it. Um, I got to play it a little early for a review. I got a review copy for my other podcast. Uh, what the fanboy? What? Nice. Shameless plug. Um, and I really enjoyed the campaign. I'm curious to hear how far you guys are and what your thoughts are. So I think I'm I'm a little over halfway. I just did the mission after the blackout towers, mm-hmm. which was everything was really fun. I didn't really have any complaints. It's just Last of Us came out, and yeah, my, my priorities, <laughs> Priority, priorities for sure. Um, but it but it was really nice having just a a really, and I don't mean this as an insult, even though it sounds like one. Just having a standard shooter type campaign where. Mm-hmm. Your main goal is just get to this place, clear out the bad guys, complete this simple objective. Like mm-hmm. in a, in a lot of modern games, they try and make it very complicated or very, uh, or or they just don't. It's not straightforward, and this is a straightforward game, which is a kind of a nice breath of fresh air after a lot of. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of games really lean into the adventure side of yeah gaming these days um you know i i think of it, it's obviously the the adventure genre has been around forever but i feel like games like uh um, uncharted really made that popular yeah um, and i see it in a lot of big single player games and obviously this is you know it has a multiplayer mode but the single player campaign is is just that um, and they don't they don't really lean into that. It's pretty much a here we're gonna ha- we're gonna have fun with you know a mission, and you're gonna have fun because when you shoot the robots, they have great physics and they explode in in interesting and fun ways. I think of um, you know back to Halo Three, one of the Vidocs in there. They talk about um, the moment to moment combat. You know. Do enemies move interestingly? Are they fun to shoot at? Um, that drives the player to want to engage versus just sit back and pick away at at bad guys. Yeah, um, and I think V one did a really good job um, up until maybe. And I, I'm trying to not say any spoilers. There's there's a boss that comes in in multiple levels and that boss, like how you beat it is, can get a little repetitive. Um, but other than that, I think just the, how you use your squad, um, and different abilities. And then like every mission has you in a different grav cycle basically is really, uh, really, really fun. Yeah. I agree. What about you, Michael? What'd you think? So I am only two missions in <clears throat> uh <laughs> my schedule's been a lot less uh flexible than i was hoping it would be that, yeah it happens it happens uh yeah that's the so great I, thing about a single player campaign is that you can take it at your own pace bingo. yeah You're yeah not missing anything by waiting two or three weeks yeah i um no so i i had just started the game i'm only a couple missions in i have been really enjoying it. Um, it looks really good. You know, the graphics are, it's not like the most gorgeous game out there, but 
for such a small department and especially, you know, a small art department. Um, I don't know if you can call it a, a department with the entire team being 30 people. Um, but the game looks good. It plays really well. Um, and I'm, I'm interested in the, um, the lore and sort of the, the story that they're trying to tell. Obviously, this is not a big, big, big budget game with a huge story and like tons of character development. Um, but they sort of set that they set their standard, I think pretty early on with like, this is sort of the tone that we're going for and the level of storytelling that we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a fun sort of summer, summer movie kind of thing. Um, but, but you know, one of those before inception, (laughs) <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh yeah so uh, i i've been enjoying it uh it plays a heck of a lot better than it did during the beta oh, uh, yeah. the, 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 it, a lot it of is, optimizations yes so i am very happy about that because i was so frustrated by the the beta um i i sort of keep getting this feeling it 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 almost plays like um going way back it's like myth the fallen lords like old bungee game right um mm-hmm. where you have these squad units that you would command and, and move around and tell them what to do um plus a um what is the game descent is that what yeah did you you had yes. with the guns and stuff and you were flying around yep. and yeah, so it sort of feels like myth plus descent a little bit because you have this graph cycle and you're not operating in three dimensions so much. It's sort of like two and a half dimensions because you you can you look around and you can kind of go up and down a little bit. I keep trying to get higher off the ground to get a better view of the battle space and sort of turn it into a like the myth or the, you know StarCraft kind of top down look um, mm-hmm. because I want to control my units that way but the game forces you to be down in the middle of it. And so it's a very clever and interesting twist on the RPG genre and also a first person shooter genre. It it takes a strange blend of the two and finds this interesting middle ground that I don't think I, I don't, I can't recall another game I've played that does the same thing. Yeah. It's very unique in that way. And it's interesting that you mentioned myth, uh, that is one of the games that Marcus has said was a inspiration for it. Is it? I, it, well, I did yeah. not actually know that. It started out. It started out purely as an RTS type game, and they felt like it just felt like every other RTS game. Um, so, in order to make it stand out, they thought, "Well, what if we made the command? The, you know the." the the eye in the sky that commander kind of player actually able to participate in combat yeah and so they wh- they whittled down the rts stuff um and they tried to balance that obviously with fps mechanics to make it so that it's not too complicated on either side but that you do have to still use both depending on the the, the difficulty level you're playing on so i don't know i, I think brett you mentioned this um like back right when the game came out. Um, but the one thing that's kind of driving me nuts so far 
is why can't I make my squad units just just stay in one spot for like <laughs> yep. just give me five seconds yep. <laughs> to just clean up the mess so I can send you guys around the corner. They keep I, so there are these um they're like these mines that the enemies yes, drop the, on the, the ground. Proxy mines, yes, that just wipe out everything. And they, they are unbelievably will. powerful. And my squad just keeps walking into them. And I'm like, no, no, no. Go over here. Go over here. Come, come back. Come back. Come back. And they and just. they don't even try to evade once they like activate. Like it'd be one thing if like the, the mines activate. They're like, oh, crap. And try and to get know, away. They, no, they just they wander. Like, they're just like, oh, hey, what's. <laughs> <laughs> just just wait till you get to the blackout level. Oh, the blackout level. Because you, you're like, okay, they're in a safe spot. And then. And then you like move one inch, and one of them's like, "I'm gonna step outside of this ring." No, stop it! <laughs> oh god, no, I haven't gotten there. But yeah, it, the I wish the recall button would like make them just not move until I got at least a certain amount away, or gave them a new command. Because uh, yeah, it, I've I've picked up way too many brain cans from those stupid proxy mines. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you and it's it's helpful to understand that your your units are always if you're if if you've not like told them to stand somewhere, which even when you do tell them to stand somewhere, they have a little bit of a radius that they'll mm-hmm. still walk around in. Um but if you don't tell them that, they always like to hang out probably I don't know 15 20 meters in front of you and it's always where you're looking right so they're gonna try and go right and if i'm to, looking at the mines to take them out yeah <laughs> then they're gonna go there. walk right into it <laughs> so is there a better way to take those mines out like other than just shoot them like no shooting them is the best way i mean i th- think if you destroy the unit that dropped them they also Oh, I was thinking they. Ti- I was thinking they timed out because I definitely. They, I, it might be just be a timeout thing, but shooting them is the best way. If you can tell your squad to stay a little further back and then and then shoot those, that's the best way to clear them. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten to the point where like I would turn around and like say go the other direction, and then I'd turn around and take out the mine while they're like running off <laughs> somewhere else, and then I'd give them a new command and they'd run back. Bring them back. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's it's a minor complaint. It really is. Uh, I've harped on it too much here, but um, I, I honestly think the 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 blackout mission, which I think is the third mission, is really ooh. the worst of it. Yeah, just because so much of that. But even then, you at least have uh, the ability to heal with the nanites. Mm-hmm. Also, pro tip. Just spam the oh, nanites constantly. because it also because it also cools down your abilities, your right. cruise abilities. Um, I didn't know that. So even if they're at full health, if you use an ability, hit them with a nanite. If you have if you have that ability, because they'll get their ability back faster. That's awesome. That is yep. a good good tip. Yep, I, that's that is necessary if you're playing on the hardest. <laughs> Oh yeah, difficulty yeah. and even even Maverick. I think on some of the levels, it, it's otherwise you're just you're gonna it's gonna take you an hour and a half to get through a level. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing on Maverick. Um, it's a good level of difficulty. 
Um, it's a good challenge because it, it does make it really <clears throat> does make you use your units. Yep. Smartly, smartly, intelligently. There we go. How about that's a word. That's an intelligent <laughs> word for such a smart idea. <laughs> So other than that, um, you guys, we hopped in a few games of multiplayer on launch night. Yeah, right? we crushed the noobs um, or something. That was that was pretty fun. I had um, a good time. Me too. Uh, there's been some some queuing issues since then, um, and we're not sure how much of that is matchmaking issues with servers, and how much of that's population. Um, but we're we're hoping to get. You know, we know that they're looking at it and they're kind of trying to smooth some of those things out. We did manage to uh, just over on the Discord get a, a big enough group together that we had enough people playing at the same time that we were able to play match, against each other, match with each other here in the U.S. Nice. So, <laughs> I think we were all here in the U.S. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. It's definitely. Um, and a little more of a niche game. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what the future holds for it, but they have, they've publicly said that, you know, they're here to support it and they want to, um, enrich it and get, you know, get people playing. So we'll see what they do to entice more players to hop on. Yep. Yep. The, uh, yeah, that's sort of the, the thing I worry about with the multiplayer for that game is that it's not gonna It's not the title that's going to have, a huge player base kind of no. ever. Um, no, it won't. And even if it's a bunch of fun, if you don't have a lot of people playing it, you're just going to have, you know, matchmaking and queuing problems uh, yeah. and performance issues and all that. So I, I do hope that more people, more people do play it. Um, you guys are both only playing on Xbox, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. I haven't heard reports about the PlayStation or PC versions, but. Curious how that's going there too. Mm-hmm. Having a, I'm having a lot of fun. I know there's another game that Timothy mentioned had cannibalized his week. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> wow. Good use of words. So I'm just going to point out, you know, this next topic, um, there's a, you know, we're going to be talking about like a major pandemic. Um, society is just like kind of collapsing around <laughs> everyone. You, you got these like vigilante factions taking over parts of Seattle and setting up bases. And, uh, you know, if you're being a responsible person, you have to wear masks when you go inside. And, uh, <laughs> and really it's people who are being greedy and senseless. Uh, you get infected with this, this pandemic and, uh, it's bad news. Really. I'd really <laughs> hate to live in a world that's like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty out there fiction, you know? Pretty out there. <laughs> this game hits way too close to home right now. Uh, yeah. 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 Luckily, uh, in our, our current state, nobody's nobody's trying to shoot me when they see me out in the, in the world, you know? Uh, <laughs> just give it a week. <laughs> so, The Last of Us Part 2 came out. We've been waiting years for this thing. Um, I... Look forward to talking about it. I am also going to steer as clear from spoilers and stuff as possible, yep. which is a little tricky. Um, so if we're going to talk in some vagaries and such, uh, just, you know, understand that we haven't, I haven't finished the game yet. And we also appreciate that anyone listening to this 
may not have played the game yet. And so part of our enthusiasm may or may not be about getting uh, other people interested. So I definitely think we should have a spoiler. Uh, that would be fantastic may- version at some point. Cause yeah, maybe further down the line yeah. um, or if they come out with like another DLC, like they did with uh, left behind for the first one, yeah. the first game, uh, that might be a good time to, to revisit it because it'll be fresh in our minds again. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's, I mean, and, and this kind of was the same thing with the first last of us is it's such a, it's kind of like a, what's the right word for it? It's bleak. No, no, that's not where I'm going. Uh, it's, it's like an <laughs> a shining example of what the oh. generation can be like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah. This is like the tail end of PlayStation four yeah. and it is kind of mind blowing how good it is. It's, it's the crowning achievement is what i would say of the of the playstation 4 no doubt it's it's gorgeous like it's it's just under feeling like a next-gen game like it's it's very close to feeling like a next-gen game there are parts of this game that i thought like i forgot i was watching a 3d environment i thought i was watching film yeah like i it, not all the time, but there are like a couple scenes where it's just like you just I just lost that that the uncanny valley. It was gone. And and honestly, I feel like like Naughty Dogs, they've always made good games. I've played I think I've played all their games back to Uncharted One. And all of their games have been really fun and really good. But they have gone come such a long way and every game it just gets better and better than the previous one. I liked Uncharted two better than three, though. I think. Yeah, I think uh, I think I liked four better than. I didn't play either four. Of them. Okay. Yeah, but this is like a pretty much any of the complaints as far as gameplay that I had with Last of Us Part One. I feel like they smoothed out in Last of Us Part Two. Um, like the the controls are much tighter. All the mechanics are a little bit more user-friendly without being like dumbed down um just it's just a it's a really really polished experience um and and i i even said because i replayed last of us part one i was saying to one of my friends that it's amazing how much how good the stealth is in last of us and last of us part two it's like blows last of us one out of the water um like a the it, games talk about like having a dynamic stealth system. It's kind of like a buzzword when you're talking about a stealth game. Mm-hmm. And this is the first game where I'm like, yeah, this actually feels like a dynamic stealth system. Like if somebody spots me in last of us part two and I take him out after he yells, n- no one else knows where I am, but they, but they come running and looking. Yeah. They, they come running and looking for you, but they don't know exactly where you are. So if you move or if you killed that person from far enough away, those guys have no idea where you are and you can treat them exactly like you were treating them before. They just never go off of being alert because they know that somebody's out there now. And I, I'm just love that because uh, a big complaint about the first one was as soon as you got spotted, there was no going back to stealth. It was, mm. you took, had to take out everybody and they all knew where you were all the time, no matter what. 
I did a lot of save reloads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like that the the chime sound. It's sort of like it's not a gong, but like. There's Somebody spotted when, you. Yeah, that says you've been seen, and you hear that you know someone shout, and you're like, ah, reset. Well, and that's why it's so fun in this one is that yes, like yes. that 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 uh, audio cue in the first one was okay, time to reload, <laughs> and now yeah. it's like quick, take the guy out and move, and then it's like it's a lot of times I don't even have to like fire out in the open i just have to take that guy out and go back to being stealth again stealthy again it's really really cool yeah i've had a few instances where i uh speaking of the adaptive system like or dynamic sorry the dynamic stealth system um i've had a few instances where i thought and this is mostly early on where i you know when you're playing these kind of games you sort of get into a mode where you you kind of play the meta of the game where you under you start to understand the, the edge cases where the game logic fails or, right. or, um, isn't as realistic or gives you some sort of advantage. Right. Um, hard to come up with an idea, but like, if you know that an enemy's not going to see, like if you can somehow get above them and they're just like, not going to see you, even though they really, really should, yeah. Uh, you know, you might exploit that to get through an encounter a little more easily. And there've been a couple of cases in this game where I thought, ha ha, I'm playing a game and I have this idea and I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> totally backfired on. <laughs> oh me. yeah. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that didn't work. Um, I wish I could move bodies though. Cause I've definitely had a few instances where like I drop someone you know, and I'm going through a hallway and I'm stealthing and then someone's on patrol and they walk by one of the bodies and then everyone starts freaking out. And it's like, ah, like yeah, I missed yeah. that guy. And now I'm, now I'm in trouble. Um, but yeah, it is substantially better in every way. They, they kept, they kept the, all the good stuff from last of us one, all the mechanics that worked, Generally, the user interface hasn't changed, or if it has, it's it's clean, subtle refinements and not yeah. like an overhaul. It's a little less clunky is pretty much. Yeah. Other, but other than that, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot about the, um, you can get holsters to, you know, get like if you have two pistols, you have to do the manual change and it takes a long time to get to put one in your pocket and get the other one out and it, that takes time, but if you find the holster, you can quick swap. I totally forgot that was a mechanic until I found one in this game. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I actually, from talking to one of my friends that has it, they have a really cool dynamic loot system where if like the like the holsters, for example, where you find the holster could be different than somebody else because the game doesn't no. want you to like miss it completely. So the game might drop it later if you missed it where it's originally in the game. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was actually just wondering that today. Like I came across a, um, a weapon and it was like this new weapon and I thought, wow, but this was kind of like hidden in a weird spot and not everyone's going to come in this room and look behind this counter and find this thing. Like, 
what are, like do people just finish the game without getting that weapon and what right. maybe what am i missing like what 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 cool thing have i completely missed but i didn't realize that they were doing uh the game sort of like maybe uh it starts out as being something that is more difficult to find and if you keep missing it they just put it in more and more obvious places it could be yeah i i I I have a tendency in this type of game to just keep look everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. So probably found all the stuff in the first location you could find it. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, I've been I've definitely been slowly going through it, which is why I haven't finished the game yet. Um, yeah, but um, I don't even. It is appropriately intense. Yes. And there were some, we talked about this, but when the game, right before the game came out, there were the uh, press reviews were starting to drop and it was getting, you know, scores. And I was trying to mostly ignore it, but there was one review where it was almost like a complaint. People were saying like, I didn't have any fun with this game or it's like this, it's just so depressing or uh, to, go into the last of us expecting fun (laughs) is that's like, it's just go to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) That's just missing the mark. Like that's not what we're here for. Like sometimes you want to watch Schindler's list because it's in the, it's a good film about like a dark thing. Uh, Last of us is kind of that direction. Like it is intense, but like, Oh, the acting in, in it and the animation work and it's, it's, it's it's gorgeous. It's amazing. And I can't recommend playing it enough, but I could totally see where it would not be somebody's cup of tea. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it doesn't have to be, but if you want a really well told story or at least so far, really well told story, um, you know, this is the, this is the kind of game for you. Yeah. Well, and, and if you if you don't like in movies or games where they have good happy moments just to set up how <laughs> how depressed you can be later, <laughs> don't play Last of Us, especially Last of Us Part Two, because that's like yeah. all it does. <laughs> so I, I have I have a list of notes here as I've been playing through. I'm like oh, I got to take a note on that just so I can remember. Um, one of them says O W T F question mark. Yep. <laughs> it's like what why is that happening uh another one i hate clickers um i i they are so much easier to kill though than they were in the first game okay thank uh, okay i'm glad you said that because i was thinking wow i got a lot better at this yeah they are so much easier the last time i played the first game i played it on the hardest difficulty and so yeah. um that's sort of my most recent memory of it but yeah okay so they did make them a little less insane and i I think it's because there are other harder infected like Mm, the shamblers yep yep because sham i think shamblers really take the place of what clickers were in the first one which is you see one and you go oh crap and you gotta (laughs) actually get out of here (laughs) plan what you're gonna do instead of just kind of picking them off one by one yeah um and I recorded a clip of me taking out two shamblers without even getting hurt. And I was very happy about it. Whoa. Um, 
but uh yeah you're playing but, on easy mode weren't you uh no i play i play on moderate <laughs> um i i honestly i'm not big on increasing difficulty in games much anymore unless it's like just so easy it's not fun are you, you're doing the game you're so you finished the game and you're playing through again did you bump it up no for your playthrough okay no because i it's not like it was easy like i wasn't breezing my way through all the encounters um i had fun so i didn't really see any reason to increase it and actually one of the thing i things i love is that it, i don't i don't know if you did this if you go into your settings after you are already in the game and have picked your difficulty you can set like eight different things yep i didn't know that my my buddy told me about it yeah so i i did make one thing easier because I, I, I love this type of game, but I'm never big on having really limited resources <laughs> because I'm not going to use the stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I am, I'm the kind of player where I'm like, well, I could use this grenade. <laughs> I've been carrying the same Molotov <laughs> right. cocktail for like, yeah, like so six of, hours. Instead of like worrying about it, I just bumped it down one difficulty for the rarity of of resources just because i'm like i just don't even want to have to like have that as a concern because i know i'm going to be sparing with using all this stuff anyway it's like i like my bow you can have six arrows if i get below four arrows i stop using my bow until (laughs) until i can get more arrows which i play very similarly no sense (laughs) yeah no, you and I are very similar in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but back to your point about the like really happy moments leading into super dark moments. Yeah. My my note about that was um, the game like it feels like a roller coaster, and you know how you're you start going up that that uh, the up ramp, and it's like you know the clinka 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 clinka. You get yeah. to the top, and it's like wow, we're up so high, and this is like so cool, and then starts to flatten out, you know, and you're like, uh Oh, you can just feel, you just know it's it's going down from here and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And it, yeah, that's, that's how the game feels is they just put you up on these pedestals that you can't help, but enjoy. And then it just, Oh, just, yeah. Smacks you in the face. Yep. (laughs) So hard. Um, and, and in ways you don't like, you think, you know, it's going to happen. Yes, absolutely. and then they're like, nope, that's not what, like, it's similar, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is how well put together the game is. But my number one gripe, I think, is that when I, when Ellie puts a note in her journal and then you go to read it, like her animation of making a note in the journal puts the thing away in the backpack yeah. And then she and then she has to pull it back out again for me to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it would drive me nuts that like it gave me the prompt and hit the button and it's like did anything happen because the animation has to finish and then she has to dig back in the backpack and get the thing back out. <laughs> and if <laughs> we're like, talking about like just... tiny pet peeves. Oh my god, there's yes. one that's even more annoying. Oh, what's that? That's like that whereas if you find like a trading card, oh yeah, you'll like you'll like go and hit the button and you hit it too quick that you want to look at it and she won't do it. She'll just open her backpack and then you can't use the prompt there 
to like get to the cards. So you just have to manually go over to cards to look at the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's the, the first game had a lot of rough, rough edges and they did a really good job of just chiseling those away and, and fine tuning all those elements. Um, I mean, honestly, my biggest complaints about this game, having beat it, is actually that a lot of the really cool mechanics that they introduce, they don't use enough. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I mentioned one of them to you, which is the kind of the first major area of the game is pretty open. I wouldn't call it open world, but it's you can basically search this pretty large area in any way that you want. And I thought that's, oh, this is going to be like a thing throughout the entire game. And then they never do it again, which is a huge shame because it was a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. And it seemed like it was an interesting way for the, for the game to go. And then the only other one was they have a really cool mechanic with ropes and wires that they just didn't use enough. Like I, I loved it and thought it was awesome. Is this uh, being able to carry them and throw them? Yeah. And, and so there's like, it's, it's not just that, but there's, there's ways that you can throw them to get to places that you didn't even necessarily know you could go. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like the first one you get, I don't know if you, if you did this, you're trying to get this wire over a fence so that you mm-hmm. can power the fence. But if you instead throw it over the building right behind the generator, you can actually get on top of the building and there's stuff up there. I didn't do that. Yeah. And <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go back. Yeah. And they, and they do stuff like that. So you're like, okay, there's a rope. This is what they want me to use it for. Is there something else I can use it for? And I love puzzles like that where it's, where it's a environmentally based. Yeah. There. So sort of on the, uh, on the same track of games being like, you sort of get into the mode of, gaming the game or sort of expecting how how the game world is going to behave and, and reacting accordingly um it took me a really long time like they introduce it early on but i just have not wired my brain for this but there are a lot of places where there's a glass window <laughs> yeah and and the glass window is the only way in and you need to break the glass and then climb through the window um, I'm sure I've missed a ton of stuff, especially early on in the game, because I wasn't even thinking about it because in video games, like glass is invulnerable. Like, yeah, I can be a superhero, crazy, you know, ultra soldier and chain link fence and glass are just kryptonite. I, I guarantee you probably missed my favorite environmental puzzle then because it involves you using a brick to break a glass overhang so that you can throw a rope over the overhang to get to a, a, a room with a bunch of stuff in it. Yeah, I definitely missed that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, some of the uh, some of the rope physics I've seen other little videos doing. Uh, it's kind of crazy the amount of coding that goes into making that look re- super super good. Yeah, it, and it's not just that. It's like the hair too. Um, mm-hmm. One of the characters has a braid and it always does what you expect it to do. It never like sticks out and does stupid stuff. Like yeah. it just looks natural. And somebody spent a lot of time <laughs> just getting that right. And I, I will say, and I don't mean this as like a diss or anything, 
but it's it's the advantage of making this type of game it's like this very focused no customization Mm -hmm. entirely single player game it's like they can just put all of this polish into it that you just can't do in yep in a customizable or multiplayer games yeah um i would like to complain also that the way characters in the game open doors is not how i would open doors thank you very much (laughs) um they get up like you're gonna open the door and i know there's a bad guy in the other room because i can hear him (laughs) and i get up real close to the door and i turn the knob and i i lean into the door as i open it and and you can't see anything and then the guy runs at you and hits you from the side and it's like i knew that was gonna happen yeah yeah because i would have just kicked the freaking door open and charged in with my shotgun but mm. or or even like slowly open the door or slowly open the door yeah Yeah. Yeah. i hate opening doors sometimes like i've been playing late at night and twice now I've been in like a building and I've had, it's like a dark building. I'm playing with the OLED TV. So like the the room I'm in is completely dark. I just have like the little flashlight that keeps flickering and I can hear like the flies in the next room, which tells me that there's like some infected and stuff. And it's just like super creepy and I got to open a door and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to bed. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't handle this right now. Yeah. I definitely did that a few times. Uh, there, there is a section. I don't think this will spoil it for you, but there is what I would call a resident evil section of this game. And, uh, uh and I, I like saw all the signs pointing to that direction i was like yeah i'm just gonna go to bed i want to do this yep (laughs) at the beginning of the day not the end of the day (laughs) absolutely uh yeah the supplements i forgot about this so there's a whole economy around learning how to do upgrades for things and the um the currency that the game uses that you spend points on for learning these things is that you pick up supplements from all over the place. And it's such a weird, like, I know they did it with the first game. And so doing it in the second game is consistent, but it's just such a bizarre thing. Like I'm just picking up these weird pills and thought I, I, I could mean, learn it, stuff. Really. If you think about it though, it's not any weirder than picking up a bunch of bolts and making scopes. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I love, it's like, I've got 80 parts. I can make, install a rangefinder on my bow how does 80 random parts turn into a rangefinder or i can take the same 80 and make my shotgun do more damage right it's like <laughs> yeah no it's yeah. just weird stuff but it just seems like i i, I had forgotten about the supplements yeah. economy and then was playing it again and went oh yeah this is just bizarre well and, and this game does does a thing that like no other other game that has similar mechanics does in that you don't find like one pile of parts or pills. Oh yeah, you there's find like, like three of them all together. You'll find like three individual pills and then a bottle of pills. <laughs> and you have to individually pick up each individual pill. And I don't have a problem with it. It's just funny. <laughs> it's mash that triangle button. Yeah. 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 Let's see here. I, I did have an issue with um there's a th- so for part of the game you're playing solo. And then for part of the game, you have an AI companion. Generally speaking, the AI companions are so good and oh, yeah. much better than they were in Last of Us 1. There were In Last of Us 1, there were a 
ton of encounters where I was trying to sneak around as Joel and Ellie's like following behind me and she's like standing out in the middle of a courtyard because I'm kind of next to a box. And as long as the enemies don't see me, they don't see (laughs) her. Yeah. And it was super break. Like it just broke the immersion completely. This game, the, uh, the AI companions hustle to get behind stuff. Yeah. And they do what you feel like they should do. Um, and they watch out and they sort of take on, like they pick their targets. And if you're stealthing, they stealth and it works really well. So, so I don't, I don't know if it was scripted or not, but I actually had a moment only one in the entire playthrough where they were out in the open because I was moving around between cover too quick. And the AI actually saw them and broke and, and was like, somebody's here. And I was like shocked. Oh, wow. That's cool. So I, I don't know if it's just like they made it so it can happen, but it's way more difficult. But it, right. it, it at least there is one moment in the game at least where it can happen. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It seems to be pretty smart. I haven't run into any of the weird immersion issues. Um, but there, they do introduce a mechanic that you use throughout the game where you boost your companion up or or they boost you up to get to like a high ledge and um there are tons of spots that are like at approximately the same height that like you can only use it at very specific locations that they've said this is where you can boost but i kept trying to boost myself up to like oh can i get on top of that truck can i get on top of that ledge can i you know and it just won't do it as as far as like art design and and it's not just this game that does it so many games do it and it drives me nuts they do this thing where this is a box that you can climb this box that is the exact same height you can't climb that there's no way to know it you just yep. have to try mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it drives me nuts and i i know it's like oh it it's makes it look more realistic but man, it drives me completely crazy. Especially when you're trying to get around and find all the little nooks and crannies yeah. and fully explore an area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything else other than I want to talk about the guitar stuff. There are a couple spots in the game where you can practice a guitar. And I don't know if you did this, but um, so the left stick controls which chord you play. And then when you're using the touchpad on the PlayStation controller, you swipe it to strum, Right. but it's tracking individual string positions. So if you just tap on specific spots of the pad, you get individual notes. Yeah. I I figured that out by accident. Yeah. And yeah, I was just having fun just sort of dorking around, like playing chords and, and making little, little, you know, not, not a song. I was just sort of plucking chords and stuff. Um, no, I saw, I saw on social media. It was really cool. I saw on social media. There's like a bunch of videos of people figuring out how to play full songs. Oh yeah. I, I fully expect people to, you know, play the last of us theme in last of us or something ridiculous like that. But, um, I thought that was pretty cool. And then, uh, just finally, um, there's a point where Ellie plays, uh, take on me by aha. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an acoustic cover of it. And I'm going to bleep it out later, but Holy f- that is how you do a cover of a song that 
just blew my mind. I had to go back and watch it on YouTube. It's the only thing I've searched for in the game or about the game was like, Ellie, take on me. I just I had to watch it again a couple of times because I just thought it was so good and so well done. Yeah. Um, I didn't recognize what the song was at first because like you don't hear the lyrics in the, you know, the original version so much. Uh, like, you get little bits of it, but they, there's a whole lot more there. And uh, I don't know. I loved it. So I yeah, wish uh, I don't know if it's good. on the soundtrack for the game, but I, I hope it is. Probably isn't. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. It, it might just be a score, though. Who knows? Yeah. 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 So that's where I'll leave it, but definitely enjoying it. Yeah. I, I give it a I give it a 9 out of 10, if not higher. See, I just reject your, your rating system, and we can talk about that instead. <laughs> I mean, just, I, I, I really, for me, I'll tell you the, the truth of it. My rating system is pretty much how much did I enjoy a game and I pretty much will never give a game 10 out of 10 unless, <laughs> unless it just like completely blew my mind and in, in every way. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. That's sort of the, uh, going up to a 10 though is like, it's like sushi for me. Um, it's not worth having mediocre sushi. So if you're below <laughs> a certain threshold, it just, it's the same as having a zero. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of do the, like, don't play it. And then, yeah, you should play it. And yeah, you really need to play this. And like, that's it. That's my, that's sort of as far as I get with my rating scheme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I, I honestly, I'm, I'm generally like that with most stuff. Uh, I even, I actually had a movie review site for a long time where all I would do is say, is it worth the price of a ticket to go see this movie? And that was the entire rating system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the, the one, two rating system, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One thumb, two thumbs. Uh, I, call it, I called it cheap critic, but I like it. I, I like that. That's good. So Brett, uh, tell, tell us about your naming or your uh, rating convention. Yo, oh, yeah. Over at what the fanboy we have, our <laughs> we have our own rating convention. Uh, so it starts with at the bottom we have five levels they're not numbered uh you can probably kind of guess what numbers are but they're more of a range we don't get too specific the bottom is it's dumpster fire (laughs) it's it's not worth it don't do it uh last week i watched a dumpster fire and that was artemis fowl (laughs) on disney plus don't watch it it's not worth your time I, I, think the, um, I think the last dumpster fire that I watched was Premonition with Sandra Bullock. Oh my gosh. I saw the Green Lantern movie in theaters. Yeah. Yeah, but that's at least campy. Like you could kind of like enjoy. It was kind of a dumpster fire though. Yeah, but but like <laughs> it's dumb enough that you could kind of laugh at it. And, and that, so the whole thing with rating systems in general though, right, is that it's all subjective. Oh, totally. Because someone like me will give something like Hobbs and Shaw as like a dumpster fire. It is. It's dumb, campy, and fun. I hate it. Yeah. But <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so after dumpster fire, you have straight to streaming, which means it's it's something that if you have a streaming service and it pops up, yeah, you spend the two hours and watch it. You know, you're not paying anything extra for it, but 
So it, it's not good, but it's not, you know. It's not a dumpster fire. I, I wouldn't begrudge you to watch it. Um, uh, the middle level is Matthew McConaughey. And can can you guess why? Because it's all right. It's it's all, all right, right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that. By the way, on the show, it's it's hilarious. That's that's the middle of the road. Uh, most of what a lot of what we watch, um, obviously, things end up in every category. But I feel like the one we we tend to give out the most um, is fanboy worthy. This is if you're. Uh, and and our podcast, obviously, what the fanboy. So to play off of that, it's fanboy worthy. It's something that you will probably enjoy if you're a fan of it. We recommend it for general audiences. Obviously, there's the caveat if of if it's a subject matter that you don't find interesting, don't watch it. Like it's fine. That's fine. <laughs> like like not every like Michael. Not every movie is for everything. With superhero movies, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then it's not then, it's not uh, Bazinga, it's uh, uh, Booyah. Booyah, there we go. <laughs> Booyah is the highest recommendation. We would pretty much recommend anyone go see it unless you have like, and like we give, in the past we haven't given like a lot of R-rated movies Booyahs because obviously you can't take your kids to go see it and you know, if you're, really against gore but we've kind of softened our stance on that to say it's it's a booyah if you think you can handle the content yeah. right like yeah there's a caveat there in in every review but yeah it's a you should go see this and i can think of a lot of movies that fit that like yeah that are movies you should see but you might not like it if honestly it's probably like a like an 8, 9, or 10, if you were to rank them out of 10s. Yeah. Or maybe an 8.5 with like a fanboy worthy being like a 7 to 8. But again, like so much of that's we're trying to avoid getting real in the weeds with numbers. We want we want it to be more about an emotion. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, that, gut feeling. that's that's the whole problem with numbers. Like uh, a lot, a lot of games that I spend a lot of time on, for example, like have like six or seven as a score, mm-hmm. which for most people yeah. that would be a deal breaker. They never would even spend money on it. But a six or seven, if you think about it, that's that's not saying the game's bad at all. <laughs> right, right. It's supposed to be middle of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one more bit for Last of Us that was interesting and hit the news before the game came out. Uh, that we at least wanted to touch on briefly. Um. Timothy, when you were playing and you got access to a boat and you were driving it around, did the game offer for you to use accessibility controls? Yep. And I actually did switch it. Okay. Because uh, I thought maybe I was just having a lot. I was having trouble driving the boat and I thought the game was going, uh, do, you, do you need to change your control scheme? <laughs> I, I actually wonder <laughs> if that was like from some kind of internal argument where they were like, this these controls suck and you need to you need to use <laughs> these other ones there's definitely like, some weird inconsistency with the boats yeah. um but yeah so naughty dog did a huge amount of work to make the game um accessible to a wide range of of people of gamers who might have like um different 
disabilities or, you know, inability to mash the controls really quickly or, you know, color, uh, you know, color blindness issues or, um, honestly, even like people with failing vision, they, yeah, they kind of yeah. build stuff in for that. Like if you go, if you go look at the, and I'm sure you'll put one of the articles in, in the link down. I'm, I'm, I might even put both, you know, but, uh, cause yeah, do it. <laughs> they, like the, I dare you to do it. If you look at the high contrast mode in there, like it's crazy. Like I, I could never enjoy a game like that, but I also can play the game fine. Yeah. If somebody, that was the only way they could enjoy it. They could play the game. That's amazing that somebody went to that trouble to put it in. And I can't really describe it without, it's just like good guys are basically big blue colored versions themselves and enemies are red. So you immediately know and items you can pick up are yellow and the game world is gray. Yeah. So it's, it, that's, I don't think I've ever seen a game go that far to make sure that you can play their game, which is awesome. Yeah. And I, I think it's, uh, telling that the big AAA titles are now trying to, to like take all gamers into account. I know that, you know, there was a big thing with destiny, um, where there were, um, was it the deaf team that like, there was like the deaf rating team. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they did every, so normally with destiny, especially when you're doing destiny raids, it's, there's a lot of, uh, radio chatter and delicate timing about coordinating your events between all six players. And if you were playing with a group of people who could not hear the chatter, like coordinating that would be a nightmare. And, but there's a group of folks who they said, screw it. Like we're doing this anyway. And they developed systems and there are, uh, you know, there's text chat and they came up with, um, shorthand, to because you can't like type out you know okay i'm going left and i'm going to pick up that you know, there's no time for that so they came up right. with shorthand and it's all you know they can read the messages and do it all without the audio cues which is really impressive um and so the fact that studios are now taking into account the fact that not everybody is completely able well, and, and even way before that uh bungie I think it was the first game I'd seen that they didn't just have a colorblind mode. Yeah, there's yeah, it's for all the colorblind modes. Yeah, yeah, that that was really because cool. because most people or most games just basically do. I can't remember which one it is, but the most common version of colorblind. So there there was a a pretty small group of people that would complain online that it's like the colorblind mode doesn't help me. I'm, I'm colorblind, and so they did it for literally every type of colorblindness. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny because as a graphic artist, uh, this is something that I am aware of and, you know, that there are different types of colorblindness and occasionally clients will say, um, you know, like, well, is, is this color scheme going to work if one of the, you know, if someone's colorblind and it's like, well, what kind of colorblind, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's more delicate <laughs> than that. And maybe we'll, you know assess the situation when, when, you know, further down the road, when we know 
if somebody who's going to be viewing this is going to, you know, have a vision issue. Yeah. Um, with something like graphic design, it's a lot harder to plan for than something where you can just flip a switch. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I, it was really cool to see that Naughty Dog did so much work and there are a, I sort of dug into the accessibility control options and I couldn't believe how much stuff you could adjust. Yeah. Um, it's just, and, and that they've kept it so that the game is still balanced and still has the appropriate amount of, um, difficulty, right? Like if, if you can't mash the button really hard, really fast, um, you need to find something else to do that is going to maybe like inconvenience one hand enough that like, that's the only thing you're going to be doing for the, for the moment, because like you got to get your character out of a sticky spot. Um, and I don't know. This just seems like they put a lot of thought into yeah. all of, all of the different options and yeah, it, it's cool. Yeah. I was, I was very happy with it. Um, and I, and just the, and we t- t- touched on it briefly, but the other part of that was the difficult, the customizable difficulty levels mm-hmm. because, the fact that you could edit specific ones means it's also more accessible because if somebody like, let's say somebody has a, a physical impairment that makes it so they can't react fast enough, they want to turn the combat difficulty down, but that doesn't necessarily mean they want to make the resource, the resources more common, mm-hmm. which in a normal game, those would be tied together and you'd have no option. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's like you can just mix and match whatever you want, which is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Do we want to round off the gaming stuff first, or do we want to... Yeah, yeah let, let's round off the gaming stuff. Okay. Uh, just, I, I think I'm the one that's definitely the most excited about it, so... He I'll is talk the about, most uh, excited about it. <laughs> Cyberpunk Very much. 2077, they had a, a pretty brief little stream uh, today, uh, which apparently they're going to do every few weeks, which is awesome. And they showed a new trailer for the game and they showed off some new gameplay and uh and then the the kind of the cooler part was a bunch of press got to play for the first four hours of the game so they got to play a, a pretty hefty chunk of i say that's a, that's a lot of content yeah yeah and uh from what from what i understand they didn't really have like limit on what they could play it was just time-based but i could be wrong about that um and it's it's crazy the game looks amazing and i mean i'm sure that they're playing on pc in fact uh i believe everybody that got to play it was playing on over steam's streaming or no sorry nvidia's streaming service which is uh also a really cool development that's come out of quarantine is you can get a ton of people to play something without worrying about code getting out there if they just play over a streaming platform. So, Oh yeah. Curious. So yeah, they, uh, the game just, I, 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 I'm kind of blown away that it looks as good as it does though. It's the level of detail for what's an open world game. And a first person open world game on top of that Mm. is just Mm unbelievable yeah i had to keep going back to that realization when i was looking at it because (laughs) coming from last of us to uh 
my my perception is skewed, yeah. right? And I'm I'm I was grading the Cyberpunk 2077 stuff against Last of Us 2, but that's not a fair comparison because no. <laughs> they are totally different. Well, and and honestly, I I don't blame you either because everything in that trailer looks like a cinematic. It does. Yeah. Like it doesn't look like gameplay. It looks like what you would see in any other game as a cinematic. And then you start realizing when you watch it, especially when you watch the the longer gameplay video, oh, this is like this guy's controlling it. Like even when it's a cutscene and someone's talking to you, you can kind of catch that the guy's moving his head around during the conversation. So it's not actually like a pre-rendered cutscene. It's literally happening happening in the game engine live, which is I, yeah, I'm just, I'm so stoked about that. It, it seems like a super, super immersive game. These are the kind of games that I'm afraid to get into because <laughs> they're just massive time sinks. Oh, oh yeah. I would, yeah, I still think I'd rather sink my time into something like this than like Destiny's reskinned public events. Right. Month, you know, month after month. So but you're right on some level. I mean, on some level, that's why I haven't played a Assassin's Creed game in four years, five years. Yep, yeah, same. Um, it's because they're just so big, and and that doesn't appeal to me quite as much as it used to. Um, well, it, and I think the problem though with most games that I that I totally agree with you on Assassin's Creed is like the perfect example is. It's almost like a combination of Destiny and an, and a regular open world game. Is it's like there, there's nothing meaningful you're doing mm-hmm. in all that time that you spend in it. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to this new part of the map, and then it's going to put a bunch of dots on my map, and I'm going to do the same thing ten times over. And it's gorgeous. They they spend tons of times making sure or a ton of time spent making sure it's gorgeous but it just doesn't feel like you're doing anything you're just kind of doing the same rote missions over and over again Mm -hmm. and i think the reason why i'm so excited about this is this is you know this cd project red Uh, if you've played i know michael's played witcher 3 at least a bit Um, yeah i haven't finished it each mission that you play in witcher 3 is unique. It's not like you're just doing the same thing over and over again. The there's new lines for each of them and you're actually learning something about either those characters of the world or both. And then you actually have to do different things even if it's like two missions that are both hunting monsters of some kind or killing you know a certain amount of whatever in the forest. There's still enough uh, uniqueness in the mission that you don't just feel like I'm just checking a box off. And that's, that's what's so exciting about this is it's like, yeah, it's going to be the 60 hour game in this giant world with a huge amount of detail. And I'm actually going to like, feel like I'm actually a part of the world instead of just checking off a bunch of boxes to mark the area off as complete. When does that uh, ship again? Is that September? Uh, it got delayed. Oh, they just bumped it. That's right. Sorry. To November. <laughs> November 19th? So five months. 
Oh, yeah. I didn't, I hadn't realized that's still five months away. Yep. Yeah. Man. Sorry about that. Yeah. It's Oof. okay. <laughs> uh, 146 days. I just, and then just what's, got that counter going. And, and now that it's November, like we're, we're buttoning up right against the, um, the new, the new console. The new console. Yeah. Yeah. What did, there was something about Cyberpunk 2077 being on next gen, but not, but it's not a next gen yeah, native or what's the, what was the story there? It's kind of weird. Cause so Microsoft and, and uh, CD project red have a pretty good relationship. It's not like any kind of exclusivity or anything, but like, but it was basically it's on Microsoft's list of optimized for Xbox series X, which is weird because like CD project red has specifically said, yeah, you'll get a free upgrade to Xbox Series X and it'll run your current your uh, Xbox One version will run on Xbox Series X. But apparently they're also going to optimize it specifically for Xbox Series X. So so I, I think what that means then is we're not getting the Xbox One's the Series X version, the smart delivery version, we're not going to get that until probably 2021 sometime probably yeah oh yeah that's a good read on it but it it was just interesting that like they've already confirmed it's coming to next gen and then but there's also like the stop gap on top of that it's like Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of development to put into (laughs) those two different things i mean kind of it it makes a little bit of sense though because uh i mean part of the the xbox uh mo is that they are trying to make all titles you know, backwards compatible. Right. And so if well, right, but, they, but there's a difference between this being forwards compatible and this being optimized for Xbox series X. Cause right. every game is going to be forward compatible. Yeah. But they've been doing that with, um, you know, a lot of titles have, it's sort of like their, their, yeah. uh, these naming schemes are so bad. The Xbox one X, <laughs> um, enhanced titles that you know there's a fair number of them and somebody put in a lot of work to to make those operate couldn't they have just called it the xbox 2x at least it would be easier to remember Uh, yeah microsoft and apple's naming people they they know each other yeah they must be they must be having lunch was it the crack squad of brainstorming (laughs) yeah okay we'll get to that later now I want to go watch that video real quick. See what he said. The Craig Frederighi thing on the the drug fuel dream bus tour of California or something. Oh, <laughs> do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. I wonder how many takes that took. Okay, sorry. I'll cut that out. Well, no, that was. A, I feel like that was a great transition. Oh, was it? Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Apple. <laughs> Speaking of Apple. Yeah. We had uh, WWDC this week. Where we got to learn all about lots of things, mostly operating system stuff for the iPhone and iPad and the Mac, um, but also some some cool little things. And one really big thing, um, which I'll tease, but we'll talk about shortly. Um, what were some of your guys' favorite things when it came to um, iOS or iPad OS or, or Mac OS, um, when we're 
talking about looking at uh, version 14, I guess. <laughs> uh, de- definitely getting rid of Siri and calls taking over my entire screen. That's that, kind of a big change. Uh, just drilling like, absolutely crazy. Wise. Yeah. Like yeah, it, so, so so to clarify, this is if you're using your phone and you're looking something up and you're doing something on your phone and then I call you, uh, that call takes over your screen and you are no longer doing the thing that you were doing. <laughs> and I could just keep calling you back. And, <laughs> and when you have no option, you either have to accept the call or decline the call. So even if you just had to like finish the sentence you were typing or whatever, too bad. Yeah, you I've need had to a, decide. I've had a first. lot of like two words left in a sentence on a text message. Yeah. Uh, and then I come back to it after the call and went, oh, right. I was typing that. I've had the thing where I'm typing and then all of a sudden these two big red or green buttons press up, come up at just the wrong time. And I tap either yeah. one of them, <laughs> except yeah. and when I didn't want to or yeah. I decline and I really wanted to take that call. Yeah. Yep. Had that happen too. Yeah. So now, uh, what you're talking about though, is that no longer do, is your whole screen taken over? They're, they're replacing, uh, that functionality with basically a standard alert, uh, display notification alert. Yeah. And you can accept or decline from there, but it no longer just completely eats your screen. Um, which is, you know, I think something Android has had for a long time, but it's definitely from a usability standpoint the direction to go in and and in a similar vein siri when you activate siri won't take over the entire screen which was especially ridiculous on an ipad oh yeah <laughs> it's right. like you got this giant Such screen a waste of space yeah and now it's just a little siri bubble that pops up in the corner yeah those are some great quality of life features you know, I'm having a hard, I, I gotta be honest. I'm having a hard time getting like super excited about most of this stuff. I am cautious. I I'm cautiously optimistic about some of it and somewhat apprehensive about other parts and mm-hmm. we can get into it, um, as we go, I guess. But, um, Isaac Asimov's foundation series. Oh yeah. Come yeah. into so, Apple streaming, Apple TV, Apple plus. TV plus. Yeah. Uh, that should be interesting. Yep. That first trailer, uh, I thought for a, a tone piece, right? It's a teaser. Mm. Um, felt pretty good. Um, I, I'm liking that we're like, we're going back to the old school, uh, sci-fi stuff. We've got, you know, foundation here. We've got Dune coming like between this and Dune. Oh, I am. I'm feeling good about this. I'm yep. in my happy place. Yeah. Uh, foundation was not, was something I never actually read. Um, my dad, I think, had like I don't know how many books there were. There were, I think, there were I think a bunch of them. Four. Okay, sure I think four. there were four. Did you guys read it? Yes. No, I have only ever okay. Yeah, so read is, like essays and stuff about it. Got it. So this is yeah, not something I know much about, but I do know that it is a big cornerstone sci-fi, like sort of old school sci-fi. And yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of his. Oh man, there's more than I than I thought there was. Um, there are seven. Oh my goodness! Wow, but, but they're not very long. Like Isaac Asimov's books are never very long, so that's probably why I think of it as only a few. 
but uh it's it's his epic series like he he did a lot of books um and a lot of them he had a couple sequels before that but this was like his it, it was kind of his crowning achievement in science fiction because he built an entire universe and actually developed it over over several books whereas before that they kind of all all of those books kind of happen in the same universe but you never really get like a sense of continue continuity between them mm. so this was this was kind of his his big uh his big epic series um yeah it's 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 really weird uh as as is kind of the case with these really old science fiction series it's very very weird so it'll be interesting to see how closely they follow the story yeah i was gonna say like are they going to take that up the opportunity to uh upgrade it make it more modern and in tone with you know the modern world or i think they could i mean i don't nothing in that trailer really screams modern to me um but i think in terms of what it what foundations themes are i think are absolutely applicable to today yeah and how we get caught in cycles um and how empires rise and fall so i i think there could be some interesting commentary on on that cool yeah um as far as the rest of it though we can do a quick rundown uh we've got um so there's the new ios new ipad os new watch os and new mac os um and new tv os <laughs> was there tv OS? i kind of I skipped through the video so i didn't i mean catch that I, part. I don't know how much of it was new and how much of it was there's a lot of home kit stuff with mm, uh, the yeah. tv that they were right 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 bragging about yeah um you know I, generally apple's moving in directions like if you step back and look at the progression of of features and software and and such that they've been doing over the last few years they obviously have a target to which they are moving and it's interesting to sort of take each year as like a slice snapshot and you can, you can watch the trajectory Mm -hmm. um, as these, as these go. But like, you know, I think the upgrades to Safari, the web browser are welcome. And I don't know if I have anything to complain about there. I think, um, you know, I don't use, I'm not a person who uses Chrome because I don't like the massive Cause of Google because <laughs> of Google, the massive memory footprint. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I don't know how it is nowadays, but like the font rendering, you know, it just wasn't as good as Safari. I don't, I don't know where it sits now. Um, on, on windows, I do use Chrome. So, cause it's kind of, there's not a lot of better options. The less bad option, yeah. <laughs> well, and most of your options are just a version of Chrome. So, right, uh, right. But yeah, when I you know when I'm on the Mac, Safari is sort of a breath of fresh air. I I have been a Safari user since they announced it. I think, um, forever ago. 
back in college. I definitely dropped off for quite a while because they there was a big lull where they didn't add any what yeah, I would they were, call modern features. Yeah, they were falling behind for a while. And I've definitely dabbled in Firefox and, and Chrome, but um, Safari is my, my main Mac browser. So they have a lot of privacy features that they've added and it, it sort of, uh, it's, it snitches <laughs> on bad <laughs> websites uh, now, which I think is excellent because people don't think about, they don't want to think about, um, exactly what's going on with, you know, all the web pages that they view. And yeah. I think people would be shocked if they, if you were to sit down and sort of watch their, you know, a day of their browsing history and mm-hmm. then give them information on, you know, okay. So all this information went to these people, all this information went to this people you know, it, people would be blown away at, at what is, being shared well, when you are consuming and the, and the big the big problem is there are no standards for privacy no there's there's pretty much even the secure thing which used to be the thing it's like oh make sure you're on a secure https version of the site that doesn't really matter anymore anybody can get an https version of their site they can get a certificate you can get a certificate for your you know illegal a legal drug site you know it's like it doesn't really matter you probably Uh, want a certificate for that kind of thing right exactly so it's like just because it's got that doesn't mean you're you're protected so they kind of and actually google was doing the same thing even though i don't you know google protecting your privacy is a joke nowadays but (laughs) um i'm glad to see apple stepping up and and figuring it out on their own so they can tell you if the site's safe or not, because there's not really a good way to tell. But I, I feel like overall, this iOS, iPadOS was re- is really just almost entirely quality of life. There was not anything that felt like, oh, this is a brand new feature we thought of. It's all just, we're going to catch up with Android or we're going to make your life a little bit better. Yeah. Which I think is what yeah. they needed to do. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. Yes, things like widgets on the home screen are have been such a long time coming. I don't even know what to do um, with them. Like I, I've gotten so used to this ridiculous array of icons. I'll, if I have all this information, <laughs> you know, at a glance, it's going to throw me off. <laughs> right? Exactly. What What kind of widget would you guys use? I, weather. That's what I would put on. I yeah, think. that's pretty much the only one I I plan on having on the front on the homepage. Whether I have enough HomeKit enabled things that I'm kind of hoping that I can do, kind of at a glance, see what's happening with my house. Future note, but like, I it would be nice to do a little segment at some point about uh, smart home stuff because I know both of you, yeah, have some, yeah, and I have less. Um, but yeah, it'd be fun to like walk through that and see what, what you guys have done and what would be, uh, what you'd avoid and where you want to go, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. But you, I didn't even think about that as being an option cause that's not something I really have much of. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want my watch faces? Cause I can, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be able to send them to you. <laughs> yeah. This one's kind of uh, weird, but I agree. It's not terrible though. Like what I think nice is that if you have 
a watch face and you have like maybe a specific comp complication that belongs to an app that you have installed. When you send the watch face to somebody, it will say, Hey, like this needs this app. Is this something you'd like to install? Yeah. I, I think the reason it rubbed me the wrong way is it felt like they were really proud of themselves because people were asking for being able to customize watch faces more. People have all, always been asking for that mm -hmm. for the Apple watch. And mm -hmm. I feel like this is them kind of patting themselves on the back and being like, look what we're doing. And it's like, but you didn't give us any more functionality. You're just, <laughs> it's just the same crappy watch faces. It's just a copy paste. You're just letting me copy paste it to yeah. someone else. Yeah. <laughs> and copy paste came late too. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you that this is like not really moving the ball forward in that regard. Um, they are though adding there is going to be some more functionality for complications because right like right now um if you have an app that that pre presents a complication so say i'm using a weather app that's not the built built-in default weather um if there's a spot on my watch that's like uh you know this the the smiley face shape that goes at the bottom of the, the ring. Um, the complication that goes there should look like this specific thing. And you, there's like one option for that for the entire app. And there's nothing, you, you can't really customize what goes in there very easily. And some apps have found these like little hacks and ways to fix it, but it's right. not, it's not a good experience. Um, now they're making it so that, you know, apps can quote publish, different types of complications and um, the, the complications are getting more complicated uh, in that it, it's slowly moving things sort of in the right direction, but it's still not custom watch faces, which you're yeah. right. Everybody's been asking for. I don't know why they won't do it other than maybe battery life concerns. Maybe. Cause, but uh, I, don't but know. I, I feel like there's a way around that though. It's like, Get, basically just give us a lego option where it's like these are the complication options let me put them together how i want yeah that'd be fun and and if there's a battery concern then limit the number i can have and say say that when you do present it you know it's like oh if you want more than this unfortunately it'll impact your battery life yeah here's your budget so then the the big thing the big elephant in the room that we've been avoiding talking about <laughs> After we talked last week, uh, Timothy, why don't you tell us about your awesome prediction from the night before the uh, the announcements? <laughs> uh, I'm I was pretty sure, I was pretty confident there would be no hardware announcements at all. I think the only thing that I thought might be announced was AirTags, and uh, I thought we would get a tease for for uh, their Apple's new ARM processors but nothing more than that and uh it's kind of kind of what we got it was a much bigger tease than i was expecting for sure but absolutely no hardware announcements no well that's not technically true it's totally true it does <laughs> no. not count dev kits don't count as hardware <laughs> announcements well they announced that there was hardware uh, it's not for general sale or anything and it's right. not like gonna, it's not a shipping I'm side system with timothy oh, on this, right. I think. 
<laughs> well, I didn't get the iMac I was hoping for, so. Mm. So, so you're, you're saying when they announced the Xbox Series X before it even had the name Xbox Series X, and they were giving out dev kits, that was a hardware announce. <laughs> I played the fifth or something. <laughs> um, yeah, but so the big news: Apple is um, migrating the Mac to. It's they didn't ever say ARM. Like specifically, you know, the ARM instruction set. Um, it's all about that Apple silicon. And te- silicon technically, yeah. it'd be more accurate to call it RISC oh, yeah, than silicon. ARM. <laughs> um, is that more accurate? Yeah. Uh huh. Because RISC was what PowerPC was. Was PowerPC RISC? Oh yeah. I I think ARM is different, and it is an ARM. I think ARM is branched. It's like a branch of RISC. I, I'm not sure it's actually even ARM. I'm pretty sure I'm co- completely confident it's RISC because they uh, the stuff they re- released afterwards kind of shows that it's a reduced instruction set. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. We'd have we'd have to look into that more. Oh yeah, the Acorn RISC machine ARM ARM. It's a specific variant of the RISC. Right. And so this is a risk processor, but it's not a branch of arm. Well, I, we don't, so we don't know that, uh, they've said Apple Silicon and they've, and iPhones and the iPads, the a series chips are, are arm processors. Okay. And the dev kit that they're shipping out is a, a 12 X, whatever it's with, it's an iPad processor and that is the thing that is in the dev kit that they're sending out to the developers who can get their hands on one um so if you're compiling and making sure that you have hardware compatibility and they're sending out the arm processor i think it's i think that's what the what it is under the hood but for some reason they avoided the term entirely and they just kept referring to it as apple silicon which was odd but i guess it you know it we talked about this in the last show and it's like the writing's been on the wall for quite a while and not a lot of people were really surprised and i think that was their whole point was get the story out there people are talking about it people expect it it's gonna soften the blow and it's gonna make this a little easier yeah because this is a really big change uh, but they got some really cool stuff to help sort of uh, make the change less less painful than it could be and the timeline i thought was pretty aggressive too i was not expecting it to be quite so fast yeah the the fact that they said they're planning on having a hardware of some kind out this year surprised me yeah yeah so shipping the first product sometime this year and then the transition complete uh whatever that means in two years time so by wwdc 2022 two right yeah mm-hmm. that's how i yeah that's how i understand yeah that. uh you know there's that there's a lot going on there and it's going to be a busy 24 months with uh mac hardware and transition stuff timothy do you want to talk about any of the uh the sort of transition technologies that that they've got going on that make this a little better there's pretty much two main ones it's rosetta 2 which i did not see that coming that they were going to call it Rosetta again, uh, which is basically it's it's not really a virtualization le- level; it's a translation layer. 
where basically if you have code that's designed to run for an Intel chip, it'll translate it when you install it, if possible, to uh, Apple Silicon compatible code so that it'll run basically natively on Apple Silicon. And then when it can't do it at time of install, it'll translate live. And and they actually had some pretty impressive uh, showing for that. I believe the entire demo, mm-hmm. the, I mean, it was very short, but the entire demo of them showing Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I'm pretty sure that was running through yep. Rosetta 2. So they were running not a new game, but a not a really old game through this translation layer on a on an iPad, essentially. It's an iPad chip. So that was pretty impressive. And then the other thing they talked about was virtualization, which I don't think they showed any examples of virtualization. Yeah, they um, did. The, uh, did they? The, yeah, the Linux. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Box. Yeah. It was, yeah, they showed Linux running uh, yeah. through virtualization. But it's important. So I didn't catch this at first, but uh, it's imp- it was important to point out that the virtualization stuff is not Intel instruction set virtualization. Right. It is. It's this. It works the same way that current virtualization stuff does, where the host operating system acts as a hypervisor and hands off the instructions to the processors. You're sort of sharing the processor resources. Um, but that means that like the Linux that they showed running was arm Linux, right? Right. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't X86 or, you know, 64. It was a different branch. So the big question, and this is what I was talking about last week or last episode was, uh, what do we do about windows and is bootcamp gone? And that kind of seems to be the it case. Is. There was absolutely no mention of it. Um, the nothing devel- saying it's coming. None of that. Developers have said that the documentation says bootcamp's gone. Yeah. That's really yep. too bad. Wow. Womp womp. That was fun while it lasted. Honestly, it lasted longer than I thought I would. Well, and I, <laughs> Anna, I do wonder with the way that their business has shifted so much, it's probably just not worth the amount of money that it, it takes to to keep up that support. Like even if they could get it working on an ARM chip through virtualization or whatever, it's just yeah, it's it's not. Oh yeah, I mean that, that that's a whole like direction you don't want to go in. Yeah. Is is trying yeah that that's that's just a nightmare, but it's still too bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> the march, the march forward progress. Uh, I will say, you know, I think, uh, we're going to see some pretty impressive performance numbers when they start shipping some units. They didn't really get into that. They kind of said, this is the ballpark we're aiming for. Um, you know, low power, high performance, but uh, there, there wasn't really anything specific because they haven't announced the actual chip yet. Right. Like we right. don't know that there's going to be a family of chips. So low end to high end, whatever that means. And um, th- that's kind of where they left it. They said, this is generally what you can, ex- you, you, what you can expect. We're going to give some developers a iPad chip system on a chip. 
And if you can compile against that and run on that, sure, you'll be pretty good to go. Um, the dev kit also does not have Thunderbolt on it. Apparently it's got two USB C two USB a, um, there's something else on it too, but yeah. And, and I'm curious about that because I don't think any arm stuff supports Thunderbolt, which means they, you'd have to develop drivers specifically for it. So, so the weird thing though, right. Is if you think about, they just shipped the pro display XDR, huge right. 6k display and it's like their flagship only display product um they could take the current version and then sunset it and then come out with something else technically the pro display xdr does actually run with um uh display port it, right. like it's a USB-C connector display port going over that with the display port compression protocol. So if you have the right kind of, you know, modern processor or a graphics processor, it can talk to the pro display XDR and it can output a display port signal that will drive the 6k display at 6k. Right. Um, there aren't a whole lot of them out there, but it can be done. So maybe that's the route they go. <laughs> uh, the other thing though, is that Intel a while ago, two things one intel opened up the thunderbolt um system it's royalty free now so you don't have to like license it and and it's not supposed to be patent encumbered um and two apple was a major co-developer of thunderbolt so Mm. if anybody has a custom arm you know version of thunderbolt built it's gonna be apple because they helped build the thing in the first place yeah i'm kind of guessing though it's just not a priority for this test machine you know oh no no absolutely and 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 it wouldn't work because they they have the ipad processor it's not the actual apple silicon mac right. chipset family thing like it's a it's going to be a different architecture and it you know the ipad one doesn't have the thunderbolt capability they don't want to yeah, there's no sense in doing it that way. Um, but I, I sort of, I fully expect it to come when the actual product is announced. I'll be surprised if it's gone. Yeah. I have no opinion on that. <laughs> no opinion? So, Brett, do you use Thunderbolt at all with your work stuff? Or are you like um, USB? What's What do you use for video and all that? I, I do use a little bit of Thunderbolt, um, but I don't think it would be necessary. I'm not, you know, what, what I do freelance and professionally is not at that super high end level in terms of those kind of products that like require the crazy high data rates. And exactly, exactly. So it's, it's, I, I like my, my Thunderbolt, um, like I like I have um, a couple of Thunderbolt drives, uh, external drives. I love them, but that's like who cares? I can transfer all that over to a USB C drive, solid state, and that'll be better for me in the future, anyways. So uh, just the way that Thunderbolt's set up, it's never going to be the commonplace connector. It's always going to mm-hmm. be the high end connector because that's how they always 
I mean, it's it's just because it's expensive. Honestly, it's like USB is always going to tail behind Thunderbolt, and Thunderbolt will always be super fast. But for the average person, you just get the fastest USB, and it won't be a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I was sort of curious if if I don't think we're close enough to USB four and Thunderbolt four, uh, because ugh. so at some point. I think it was last year, maybe um, Intel announced that USB four and Thunderbolt four were going to be like merged into one, I don't know, unit product, uh, like spec. And it seems like later this year quote is too early. Um, yeah. To, to ship a product like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But this also would be the like totally opportune time to ship a brand new bus system, you know, with the new processors and I don't know, it it seems like a good time, but probably ahead of where, wherever the, the next bus protocols are. Yep. I agree. And also, can I just point out that Rosetta is like really crazy tech? Uh, (laughs) the fact (laughs) that it's byte code translating, so they do it when you install the app. So not it's not like when you double click it and run it. It's one time when the app is installed onto the system, and so there's some overhead processing there. Well, well, they they did say I, I mentioned it. That's if possible. If there's some runtime stuff, you have to do it live. So. Yeah. So yeah, if you have a just in time compiler, uh, then it's going to do it live. But it's kind of crazy that yeah they are even attempting this um, in a production environment. You know, if, if this follows the the arc of the Intel transition, this tech will be in the next few releases of Mac OS, and then they're going to phase it out. So, um, you know, three, four years down the line, I don't, I don't expect that to be there anymore. And we're going to have a full Apple Silicon transition, but until then, like, yeah, I think I think this is going to be this is going to be a make it or break it thing for Apple. They cuz this in transitioning to Intel almost only had advantages as far as you were picking up people, not losing them because you were adding Windows as a possibility and you were adding all compatibility with all these all the <laughs> stuff that required Intel. And this is the opposite. So, I, I mean, I've I've been excited about this for a long time. It's going to be really cool to have Apple making their own chips that are really fast and really efficient. But I, I, I don't know how it's going to affect their sales. How many people rely on being able to run Windows on a Mac, and how many people, or and how many people rely on Intel in some way or another that we don't foresee. It's going to be it's it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out i think that apple has over the past i don't know probably two decades but especially the last decade become more and more of a consumer brand than a pro brand and and i think that's obvious when you think of how they've dropped things uh like like drop support for their pro applications um, obviously they still have a, a very important presence in the professional market um, especially the creative market but 
I, I just, my guess is that they're aiming their, their real money maker is in, in the consumer market. And they, if they can, if they can throw out crazy numbers in terms of, you know, speed and battery life when, when we were talking about laptops and things like that, I think that's really where they're, where they're aiming to, to, to land and hoping that developers are just going to come along for the ride. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. And I, I, I honestly think sp- part of this is them kind of throwing in the towel in some ways for, for stuff, because they tried to compete to get like games running on Mac. They had a push. They've had pushes several times t- to get games onto Mac, but like half hearted pushes. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's such a hard market to get into. If you're if you don't have hardware and software that can run these games already or easily be converted to run it, nobody's going to spend money to get your platform, you know, running their their game running on your platform. And I think I think stuff like that, even though I don't think gaming was the major contributor, but it's I think it's a good example is why they're doing this because they had that whole thing with iOS and iPad apps being able to run natively in mac os and that's that's a huge deal like they didn't talk about it all that much but they're basically saying we're going to add thousands of applications that are going to be compatible with mac that currently aren't Mm -hmm. that's that's going to be a big deal and it's also going to make it so developers if they see people are using their apps on mac os they're going to use the tools that Apple made to make their app an actual native Mac app. They're going to think about using them. So it's, it's, I I think it's going to, it has the potential to be a big deal for the amount of applications we see come out on Mac compared to now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I agree with you with the, like make it or break it because, um, this is, goes in tandem with what Brett said about Apple becoming, uh, less and less of a pro company and more of a consumer company. But, you know, this this switch to a new Apple design architecture, um, it's they are further withdrawing back into the walled garden of Apple, right? Yeah. And some things there are really, really good. And I would prefer to have that over, you know, a smartphone from, uh, you know, with an Android operating system um however i don't think that you know completely uh homogenous environment is a good thing you need some diversity and you need some difference and you need places to tinker and i think that uh, you know the changes with the hardware and then as the they've made changes to the Mac OS software over the years, like less and less of the tech enthusiast um, market is like, it's less accessible to those of us who want to be quote power users. Right. Uh, You know, that was a term back, back when I was getting into computers. Like like, (laughs) it's like the Mac power user and uh, that's lost. Like there, and there was a lot of, there's a lot of magic in the, Mac environment, the Mac ecosystem, some of the really high quality apps that were written by the excellent Mac developers 
you know, BB edit. There's nothing even close to BB edit in windows. Like yeah. it, it destroys every other code editor. Um, and, but nowadays everyone wants, you know, their stupid, uh, JavaScript powered code editor things that have low performance, eat about, eat up a bunch of memory and yeah. Oh man. I could, I could name a, a dozen apps that I used when I was a transmit that I, when I was a teenager that just were so much better than anything I could find in windows at the time. Yep. Or if you could find something that was even close to it on windows, it costs like 50 bucks. Whereas on Mac, it would be like shareware or it would cost two bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And just that, that environment, the way that people interact with the computers, that, that is going away. And Apple is, is removing those elements and they are fine tuning this consumer product and handing it out as like, here's this, you know, beautiful thing, go play with it and don't modify it. <laughs> um, and for someone who likes to play with that technology and sort of push the limits and understand how things are put together and, and tinker, um, you know, like it, it's just completely inaccessible. And it's, and I think there's going to be stuff that we don't foresee that's going to really affect everyday use on this, on Apple Silicon. Like, you know, we use uh, homebrew that's running all this, all this uh, Linux stuff. Some of that's compiled in, in, you know, Intel compatible code that mm. somebody probably hasn't touched in a decade. <laughs> it's like, who's, who's going to translate that so that it works in Apple Silicon, are we just going to be using it through Rosetta and then they'll remove Rosetta and all of a sudden all our homebrew stuff breaks. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the, uh, difficulty with, I mean, we, we there was a similar thing that happened with the Intel oh, transition, but, but those ecosystems weren't as rich and weren't as, um, uh, relied upon. Right. Right. You know, a lot of developers have homebrew installed because it, is a awesome way to install a whole bunch of dependencies and, and little utility applications that are normally, you know, a huge pain to compile and install yourself. And, uh, it has traction because a lot of people use their computer that way. And, and yeah, if, if things are done to remove those, that functionality from the computer, then the, then the computer becomes less functional, for the people who are using it. And I'm afraid that, you know, the Mac is going to become a large screen iPad. And, right. and like, that yeah. is not the direction I want it to be going. And I, well, and, and even, even me who loves my iPad pro and uses it as my main device, the only reason it function can function as my main device is because I can SSH or, uh, just uh, or screen share into a Mac if I absolutely need to to do stuff that my iPad can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. if that functionality, if it do, if I don't get additional functionality when I go to my Mac, then I, I you know that's going to kill my entire current workflow. So yeah, so yeah, it's cu- I'm curious to see where this is going, but I am a little cautious about it and I'm trying to be excited about some of the cool stuff that's coming, but the cost maybe 
not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, in the long run. And there's no way, there's no way to know until we're already there. And Apple does not telegraph some of this stuff ahead of time, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, because they know it's not popular. Well, I mean, the, the big problem is those presentations, even though they're two developers, they're still marketing. It's still the entire thing is a marketing thing. So it's like, if that was a regular developers conference that wasn't being broadcast out to everybody, they probably would have said right then, Hey, boot camp's going away. Hey, you won't be able to run certain virtualized uh, Windows applications because it, we don't have the x86 uh, instruction set anymore. They would have said that on the stage. Yeah. But the fact that it's a marketing thing, you have to go dig that up afterwards. So, yeah, eh, we'll see where it goes anyway. Oh, yeah. Mac was big, sir. It looks like and speaking of iPads, <laughs> it looks like a giant iPad and I'm not super yes. into the new UI stuff. So, so we'll this see is what not happens. A, this is not a spoiler, but I'd never even heard of Big Sur, and then I, that happened on Monday with the Mac thing. Was it Monday or was it Tuesday? Monday. And then I beat Last of Us Two on Tuesday, and there's a mention of Big Sur. Oh, weird! <laughs> in Last of Us Two, and I'm like, oh, that's a funny. weird coincidence. And and yeah. then you knew what it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Sony planted. Uh, something oh yeah because you know yeah, sony yeah. and apple just yeah, super tight, tight. <laughs> real buddy that's <laughs> bizarre uh yeah it's a funny name for a place but it's a really funny name for a operating system big sir yeah well there you go oh, and we didn't mention it's oh. worth mentioning it's mac os 11 it goes to 11 yep yes I, it makes sense i think we stretched the 10 dot for a good long time but yeah I, and i agree with brett it's like a, we're making a huge transition just change the number there's no reason yeah. to change to keep it so what 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 architecture change are they going to ch- to make to go to 12 that's the real question <laughs> i think they're just going to go with 12 like i think it's gonna be 11 12 13 i think they're going to go with what they're doing with ios can, can we can we just matt brett said it in the chat can we just match all the numbers up with the year getting really sick i'm having to keep track of all these <laughs> disparate <laughs> numbers here here we should get a change.org petition going yes <laughs> we, we we need to do that for microsoft before we do it for this well, microsoft gave up and they just were like eh, 365 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no I, I meant with all the x's <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah, yeah for oh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fewer X's would be nice. So I watched Brick. <gasps> yes. Movie night with Michael. Yay, popcorn. <laughs> I did not uh, rewatch it this week, but I watched it like a month ago. So as close enough. Oh, that's that's fr- fresh enough in your mind. So I had not seen this film before at all. Uh, you guys gave like a brief synopsis, which was, I think, plenty and gave nothing away. Nope. Um that was the goal. It is a strange film. Yep. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it has, uh, it, it's hard to describe. It's what, so watching, like having all these high school kids walk around and talk and, and embody roles that normally belong to 
older characters, right? Like I, <laughs> it felt like I was watching Chinatown, but with like kid actors. Yeah. And it, it throws you off balance as a viewer and you kind of just have to accept it and go with it and say, okay, fine, this is happening and I'm not gonna question it too much because if you try to make too much sense about it, it just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, one of the, one of the things that I, uh, got out of the, um, commentary was that, uh, they kind of the Brian Johnson and, and the, the cast and crew, the filmmakers kind of thought of it a little bit like the, the high school, the world of brick is to high school, as like what Gotham is to a real city. Like it's this yeah. stylized. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you think if, if you live in a city with Batman, are there going to be robberies every night? No, because there's Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it has to happen. And so I think is, yeah, it does require some of that. Like you have to take that step into that suspension of disbelief of okay this is what i'm in for i'm in for um a a a a chinatown thing at high school in you know um but once you i think once you step across that line that's when it really gets enjoyable for me yeah i do wish you were a fedora but and the thing i the thing i've always kind of taken (laughs) out of this movie is this isn't how high school is but it's how high schoolers think of high school. Yeah, yep. Like they think yeah. <laughs> that their life is so important and that the adults don't understand and it's life and death, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Completely agree with that. Yeah. And looking at, looking at it in reverse, you know, as an older person looking back on it, it's uh, the ridiculousness is part of the charm of the film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The dialogue is fast. I had to rewind a few spots. Yes. yes. It, uh, yeah, it definitely moves quickly, but it's, it doesn't hold your hand with no, but it's pretty clever. (laughs) And I, Mm -hmm. I, I said this during inception, but, uh, I like Joseph Gordon Levitt. He's, he's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought he did a really good job. Um, the, the treatment of adults in the film, like it's not that adults don't exist or that the police, don't exist but like it's it's like warring factions and and like the vice print the assistant vice principal is like the the head guy (laughs) yeah he's 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 like the the probably not even the third most powerful person but he's not even the vice principal he's the assistant assistant vice principal but he is like the big Right. Yeah. He thinks of he, he himself as the lead detective. Yeah. That was just, that whole scene with him was just hilarious because they're going at it like, like old cranky cops and, mm-hmm. and, and the independent detective. And, and that I, I really liked that scene. Um, <laughs> I put it in the notes, but then at the end, Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes in, I'll see you at the parent conference. <laughs> <laughs> like what because <laughs> you, you have all this tension and they're talking really seriously and then you throw a line like that in and it's just like this curveball that snapped you yep. back to like the reality like how ridiculous this whole thing is and they do that occasionally mm-hmm. um the uh, the mob boss but he's you know just like 
His the mom. pin, yeah, his mom. <laughs> like, so, so, like, would you like orange juice? Do you have orange juice? Oh, we don't have any orange juice. Maybe you'd like some milk. Actually, you're having that with your cornflakes already. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. And then, and then later on, they're like at quote at war, and they have like their whole crew, you know, hanging out. Yeah, and it's like four a.m. Yeah, and she's still up, just like pouring milk oh, for guys, and they're, they're all drinking milk. <laughs> That was so funny. Um, yeah, they really bought into the premise of what they were doing and just rolled with it. And yep. it mm-hmm. it definitely works, but it's not something that if you told me like straight up, uh, like if I knew more about it going into it, I would have been like, this is not going to work. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know yeah. what. Yeah. And that's that's why I always very briefly describe describe it because if you go too much and people are like what yeah <laughs> the um it's not a very complicated film like no. the film fatale laura is that her name well and noir films usually aren't it, that's uh, sometimes true yeah um you know i i thought she was she, i thought she was really good and i liked what they did with her character um laura well, or, is it laura uh, yeah the, yeah, yeah the, I was saying the yeah the femme, femme fatale one, right? The uh, the beautiful, dangerous woman who mm-hmm. is mysterious and turns out to be trouble. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you could you could tell from the beginning that she was going to be trouble, but the question is like how much trouble, right? Yep. And um, he doesn't really fall for it throughout the movie too much, but it's it's just it was so bizarre seeing like the 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 disconnect between the the environment and the kids and like the material that they're talking about yeah um so w- when i when i rewatched this this week um it's it has that feeling of like this was Ryan Johnson's first feature film and it has that feeling of like a f- like a first feature film but it's still it's written i think it's written pretty well and it's shot like fantastically, mm, I think. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it has this production value that it just shouldn't have. That uh, you know, just I think really um, it it proves that um, movies are are such a team effort. And I'm always I've always been impressed with who Ryan surrounds himself with to make movies because I think all of his have been great. Um, I don't think he's made a bad movie. So Yeah. I th- several people will disagree with us because of episode uh, eight. But... Oh, no, The Last Jedi. I think even if you dislike The Last Jedi, it's hard to argue that it's a bad film. Yeah. It's maybe just not your cup of tea or you didn't like what they did with it, but like when you look at it from a, he also didn't have complete control like a, over that film either, right? No. So, I mean, it's it's going to be the film that he had he has had the least control over, um, in terms of just because it's it's a property, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and it's Star Wars. Uh, well, and they'll never, of course, reveal how much control somebody has over anything. Yeah. But it, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that. I'm like, I've watched every Ryan Johnson movie and there's scenes in that movie where I'm like, this does not feel <laughs> like something that Ryan Johnson 
put in this movie. You've got the you've got there's there's a story group there at Lucasfilm that uh <laughs> contributes. Well, and that's the thing. I think if it when you when you look at um his especially what he does with dialogue um Star Wars his Star Wars movie is so slowed down compared to how he has characters talk in other movies. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is studio notes and how much of that is him as a writer adapting for the franchise, right? right. Um but it does it is the least Ryan Johnson Ryan Johnson film, but it's still very Ryan Johnson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, no, I, yeah, I really enjoyed rewatching this this week. Thanks for, thanks for indulging our suggestion, oh, Michael. Of course. Oh, I, I forget even which of you threw this out there as the suggestion. <laughs> okay. So, so Timothy, why, uh, now that we've watched it, like what, what did you want to, uh, maybe talk about that we haven't, or, or what was the impetus for choosing this one? Really, I just I, I want to choose it. Wanted to choose it because it's a very uh, it's a cult hit of a film. So your average person has not seen or heard of Brick. Yeah, but no. it is it is a very well done film, especially for the tiny budget it had. It's got some, it's got a very famous actor in it, and it's got a couple actually. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, but it's got. I, I would, but Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt Joseph Gordon is by far, in a way, the, the right, yeah, most famous actor of the bunch. And uh, it's, I believe, it's Ryan Johnson's first major film. Um, yep. So, seeing that he started with a film like this is just makes I I think him a much more impressive filmmaker. That the first film that he chose to make uh, with a studio was this good and this will this tight for uh for what it is yeah and he so in the the story uh, just a little more backstory because why not he wrote this uh right out of film school back in i want to say 97 98 and they made it in 2005 yeah, 2005. So, I mean, 2003, 2004 is uh, roughly. So, you know, he, he had written it and, and sat on it for a couple years trying to, to get it made. And um, I just think those stories are really cool when it's like someone finally sees it and takes a, takes a shot on it. Yeah. Um, these days with the conglomeratization of the movie industry i fear for films like these that they won't get the attention of studios um and you won't take chances and then you won't discover it's just one less avenue to discover new filmmakers through yeah um yeah he i he's uh i honestly kind of hold him in a similar vein as Christopher Nolan is that he makes original films. He doesn't make these, uh, even when he makes a big name film, he's making his version of it. Mm -hmm. Well, and he does such a good job, I think at 
understanding genre and interpreting it and then giving us something fresh. Yeah. Right. Knives Out is an Agatha Christie novel. It's 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 Death on the Nile. It's Murder on the Orient Express. But it's done in this in this modern way that's still new. Um, and and oh my gosh, the I mean the story beats in there. How how he plays with the mystery is it was original to me. I, I you know wouldn't be surprised if there's some influence from something else. Um, and and Brick um, obviously has influences in in film noir and um, you know everything with references from um, things like even like a Clockwork Orange. Yeah. And, um, the Maltese Falcon and, and stuff like that. Um, but it's still like, there's nothing else that feels like it. And I think that's what I, one of the things I appreciate most about his movies is that they're usually, they're, they're always a breath of fresh air yeah. because he understands the kind of movie he's making. And he wants, he wants you to at least come out of the theater thinking about the movie whether in that whether that's in a decisive manner or a um you know i'm i'm going i'm going to see a weird movie about high schoolers oh this was actually this weird genre movie yeah so the so the question i have cuz i know brett has so my question for michael is have you seen looper no not yet so then we've got two more <laughs> Ryan Johnson films that you need to see. Cause I'm pretty sure you've seen knives out. Yeah. So brothers bloom and looper. And I, and I kind of almost want to keep doing them and maybe we should do a different one first if, if we want to, just because I want you to see how different all of his films are. Cause I think you can say mm-hmm. that you would, I, I think you would agree with us that brick is nothing like last Jedi and it's nothing like knives out. Correct. And Brothers Bloom and Looper are the same. They're they they don't feel like he's just making a similar style of movie. It's gonna be weird with the uh, the Knives Out sequel. Yeah, it'll be Whoa, it will be kind of his first. Oh yeah, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, it's a well, it's another De Blanc story, right? Right. Yeah. So, completely new setting, completely new characters, except for the detective, Mister Blank. Um, Mr. With, with his fantastic accent. Oh, God. <laughs> that was so good. When, this is when he opened yeah. his mouth. That was not what I was expecting. I don't think it was what <laughs> anyone was expecting. No. <laughs> Daniel Craig had to have had a lot of fun with that. It, and oh, gosh. My favorite part is it's the second time he's done a ridiculous Southern accent. What was the first? Uh, it's uh, Lucky uh, Logan Lucky plays nope. plays a redneck. Oh. It's that is also very good. It's uh, it came out a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. What what is that creator's name? Steven Soderbergh. Is that right? Yeah. Soderbergh, so he's yeah. the guy that did all three Oceans movies. Yeah, yeah. And it is a very, it is very much in the vein of an Oceans movie. Oh, it's basic, I like those kind of movies. It's basically Oceans uh, Hillbilly <laughs> or Ocean oh. Oceans. No, <laughs> you sold me. Okay, it's so good. Uh, okay, so what should we watch next? Should we should we continue with the theme, and w- would it be Brothers Bloom and then Looper, mm. or do we want to like 
go a different route and then bounce back to these later. I think hmm my opinion would be would be to to watch something different. Yeah. Uh just so that we don't get on a I mean, look. I think Ryan Johnson's maybe one of my favorite working actors today. Um, you mean directors? For- directors, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Uh, working today, but I th- I think for uh, the night uh, to have a nice spice and and change of um, scenery, as it were, for our listeners, um, we should we should keep the palette fresh, and we can still definitely talk about other Ryan Johnson movies. But <laughs> I mean, we 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 could do Logan Lucky. That would be. It is a yeah. very different feel <laughs> than it <Brick>. is. <laughs> <laughs> all right logan lucky it is okay wonderful i oh man i'm excited i get to rewatch that and, and, and that also has a connection to star wars because it has uh adam driver. adam driver in it oh really yeah. okay channing tatum adam driver uh who's the the girl uh i don't know her name katie holmes no that's katie holmes. well that's the well she's the the yeah, I don't. I don't remember what his sister's name is, though. Uh, Farah McKenzie. Okay. Anyway, which no one probably knows who she is, but all right, we'll do. We'll do. Uh, Logan Lucky. I'm gonna get through my list here. I'm gonna find something that uh, either I've been really wanting to see or one that I haven't seen for a long time, but maybe you guys haven't. Yeah, and I'm oh, gonna yeah. try to rope some of those in. So there's plenty of movies. Do it. And especially classic movies that I have not seen. Yeah. I, I, I didn't watch any R-rated movies until I was like, until I was like 19. So gotcha. I have, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. So I'll, yeah, I'll try to find uh, something for us further down the line. But for the next one, Logan Lucky. Perfect. Awesome. Well, it's been a, a long show, so I have my <laughs> editing work cut out for me. But... uh thanks for listening and it was uh, fun to talk about all this stuff with you guys. Cause yeah, it's a busy week. It's been a busy, or busy couple weeks. Yeah. couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. I was going to go play last of us part two again, but it's almost midnight. <laughs> it's a, it's a little yeah. scary for that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I am very excited for a couple weeks. I don't know if it'll be next, rec- next, next <laughs> episode or the episode after when we finally get to talk about, xbox in like a real meaty way yeah so yeah it's coming up it is it is all right guys thanks for uh joining and thank you listeners for for listening uh if you have feedback uh feedback at iapodcast.net um you can find at least brett over on what the fanboy timothy and i we we don't have any cool websites. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thanks for listening. Take it easy. All right. See, See ya. ya.